bit of shit day. A shame which from time to time that I peruse because I have an issue with separatism within education. We have found that the great president has gave acknowledgement to Miss Mathune Cookman by allowing her statue as white as marble as all the others. But one significant thing stands out, a black single road. We wondered all the while why this statue of marble sits in this hall carries but one single black road. The reason is, is the indication of poverty, the indication of death, an indication of shame, a shame that only a Negro college grad could carry in the water that he carried for the Democratic Party. These Negro shameful individuals who go to HBU colleges, who acclaim everything that any black person has achieved, but give little to nothing to provide substance to one class of black, but serve only the Afro-American. In the last two days, it's been brought to our attention and happily brought to my attention that Bethune Cookman is the suburban ghetto full of mold, rats, roaches, leaky walls, bed bugs, and all of this is done on federal grant money, on Pell Grant. But these are Negro college grads who wear Kenya cloth and move to political positions. These individuals, and I share their pain, but I will not share their shame. That in the great city of the city of Cocoa in Cocoa, Florida, a city councilman by the name of Alex Goins, a historical graduate, an alumni of the Negro Klan who attended Ms. Mathune Cookman, is acting like his people. That he, among all, knew the conditions of Mathune Cookman, which he graduated from, which he sends money to, which he uses his position as a political pawn to bring in individuals from his college to get minority contracting, to block others from non-for-profit, to stop individuals from having space available to provide services and substance and mental health to our community. But Mr. Alex Gordon is a product of this slum. Mr. Alex Gordon and his mother supports this slum because you understand that the mother is the first original teacher. So he has to learn that trifleness from his mammy. That is correct, not mother. Mother teaches mammy, she just take care of other people's children. And since he is a member of the Negro College and he is a Negro grad and he's an Afro-American and he's not black because his college his community and his elected position reflects his feelings about black America, his feelings about the education of black children. He is deeply concerned about the education of the Afro-American child. Uh, Mr. Alex Jones, unfortunately, has forgot the old Negro adage that you must sweep around your door before you come and sweep around others. 
when you take on the great responsibility of leadership to a community that has fell short, dating all the way back to Mayor Green, where those individuals, the great legacy in the great celebration of 365 days a year, Rudy Stone, Oliver Wells, these individuals and many more within our community fought aggressively so we could have a district. We could not figure, we could not understand why we live in poverty in the city of Cocoa in District 1, a historical district which was created by a consent decree. We wrestled with the idea that no one cared about our advancement as though who sit within the ivory halls of the city of Coco, Mr. Mike Blake, Mr. Alex Goen, even Mr. Clarence Whipple, who is the president of the NAACP and the only individual who has ever broke the civil rights law, federal and state. Mr. Clarence Whipple of the great city of Coco, who handed a humanitarian award to the chief of police Yes, the chief of police within a black community is the only honest one. He does not want to be a member of the Negro clan. He just wants to serve the people of the city of Coca. He wants what is right under the Constitution, but the Negro clan wants to rule by example and learning of their oppressors. Today, when brought to my attention, the status of Methune Cookman in Daytona Beach, Florida, one of two historical black colleges, it makes me wonder what is the status? What is the living conditions? Even if they have running water, or maybe I should even imagine that they were allowed to wear shoes and read books. This is the legacy that the Negro colleges continuously propagate. This is the legacy that the Negro colleges use to manipulate and confuse young minds, to tell them if they join the Negro clan, if they be part of the oppressors who are oppressing their people, that they will gain the favor of whites, they will gain the favor of Caucasians, they will gain the, the favor of Peckerwood. They will gain the favor of Honky. That's a lot of favor that you're looking for in your life. But you cannot do it by plunging the bright minds of the future of Black America into poverty and a shameful position of learning. No child, may he be black or he be misfortunate enough to be born under the mark of the beast of Afro-Americans, cannot thrive in an environment full of rats, mold, leaky walls, potholes, drugs, This is a shame. This is why Ms. Methune Cookman's statue 
stands in that great hall with only one dead rose to reflect the competency of HBU College. Stacy Abrams, Miss Harris, Miss Demon, all those individuals who went to colleges such as this who tell you about their great achievements when they went to these colleges and how these colleges created some form of camaraderie that gave them the empowerment to strive higher. Yes, there is such a thing as a higher ghetto. The only thing is, it got run in war. It got roofs that don't leak. You don't even have to worry about mold on your tennis shoes or being concerned whether or not you left your dresser drawer open and you mysteriously got a yeast infection. These things sound heinous, but this is what happens when you send your child to an HBU school. That is you as a con the conscious parent do not take a full opportunity to inspect, not visit, not to receive fellatio, not to be petted, because these are not qualities of parents. These are qualities of Afro-Americans. And if you are truly a black parent, I beg of you, in my Lord's name, inspect their buildings, take samples of their water, review the health department inspections of their cafeterias. Be fully aware that those in those cafeterias may or may not have food safety handling license, that they may have some communicable disease that they could be transferred to bodily fluid, that your child each and every day is forced with contaminants that will threaten their lives. This is what you get from HBU College. Now, you say, and those have said, and even those who are not seen may whisper in the dark. You got a lot of gall, Mr. Felicity. You have a lot of nerve. And who left you in charge? Unfortunately, unlike most Afro-Americans, I hold a DD-214, I'm a registered voter, and I have a licensed firearm, and I paid all my child support, and I'm a heterosexual black man over the age of 50. And who but that, in fewer ranks than we are, to have critical comments about that ghetto they call Methune-Cookman College and Daytona Beach Garden who terrorizes the citizens of the great state of Florida 
with them paganists, with them jigaboos, who call themselves Afro-Americans, who attend that college. And this just did not happen. This and the condition of those facilities and their accreditation have been in question since the 90s. That those organizations such as the Deltas, the AKAs, the Qs, the Alphas, have full knowledge of this shame. Even one of our premier city councilmen from the great city of Rockledge, who has a Christian program, who talks us at each and every turn of his love for the Negro cause. But he will not be the first, nor his wife will be the first, to say something's wrong. Nor will Alberta Wilson, who is our historical legacy, she knew that the college was raggedy because she didn't even want her child to go there. That she purposely sent her child to a white college and then used her influence with the Negro clan to get him a job knowing all the while that she don't support black education she just exploits black education and black people she do not support afro-americans she just exploits black people now these are not the names that are thrown around in an area that has a consent decree for over 275 years that we have fought so we can have the same equality uh, some Caucasians, hear me carefully, some Caucasians, because all Caucasians don't have equality in America. But in my small batch, one which fought with two and six great men, and all are dead, and now we question, because we have Cy Rods and alumni from Bethune Cookman and FAMU running our government and things have been going bad and my community looks like a slum and most of the county where they have black politicians to the point that even the city councilwoman from Rockledge, Florida allowed the Ebony newspaper to portray her as an elected official of the city of Coca. And that this individual woman did not have the decency, the respect for herself to clarify the error. Or is it an error? Because they've been rigging elections around here, especially in the city of Coco. They love to rig an election. And even though the supervisor of elections within Bavard County has full knowledge that the listed above names have participated in election fraud. She hesitates at each and every turn in turning their name in to Governor DeSantis. That each and every turn when it is brought to her attention, the corruption that comes out of the city of Coco, that she will not will not, or for some odd reason, cannot contact the Attorney General 
and ask him to investigate Mr. Alex Dowen and his friend who runs the government within the city of Coco, who retaliates against black people because they feel that they are the superior. They use their position to continuously impoverish the people in District 1 in the city of Coco. I could go on for hours and hours and hours to talk about the idiotic behavior of these pigments. Now, some may sit and twist their thumbs and tighten their jaws and about to piss on themselves because I used a great deal of epic racial effigy to describe the low-class, unhuman behavior of these Afro-Americans, a.k.a. Nicholas. These Afro-Americans have brought us to where we are today. They have brought us to the position that the governor has banned Afro-American studies in the great state of Florida. That at each and every turn, you have no one to address the civil rights violations within Pavard County due to the level of corruption within the central branch of the NAACP in Pavard County, the North Branch, the Titusville Branch of the NAACP and its corruption, its dysfunctionalness. It is a lay man's club for overprivileged Negroes. These Negroes do little to nothing but flash gang signs and symbols and have tribal dances to express their separatism when it comes to Black America. That they have truly took the beast, the mark, the Afro-American, that mark of shame, which for the last four decades in our country have brought us to this point. And to hear which should not be shocking that that shack, that roadhouse, that trap house that they call the college, is full of roaches, mold, leaky spillage, and 80% white teaching. How far have we fallen? in our pursuit to go forward. This is a shame. This is a tragedy. Usually at this point, I apologize for offending individuals, if that's what they are, because they're no closer to human beings than individuals. And I usually speak sincerely in my apology. But at this best, I cannot apologize that these individuals, just as we met the door with the Negro College Fund and Lou Rawls, to save these individuals for the last three decades with the pursuit of the Cosby Show 
and a different world in other sitcoms have betrayed black America that they are as their masters are creating their own race their own association and in doing this we need to investigate these colors we need to investigate the staff but i am only one black person who has lost faith at hbu college there are many alumni out there and i am speaking to you that it is time to stop slinging gang signs and colors and doing tribal dance your house is on fire and as malcolm has said and maybe it should burn down and maybe you shouldn't have a house and this is your boy mr political my views my thoughts and unfortunately as a black man my shame and i know out there ran interference for them so we, we let folks know this person is put in there by the police she's going to be out here running interference for them so now with this cop city nonsense you know she's going to be the the face of interference for that so I, i'm not a big fan of black faces and high places if those black faces are not going to empower us as a group we have to check people on this well, we just hired a bunch of black people nonsense. The Root did an article last week talking about all the great things that Biden has done for the black community. And it was a bunch of symbolic mumbo jumbo. Well, Biden had hired some black Supreme Court children. He put more people on the bench for who's black. They had hired some more black people at APCU. Nothing. It's, these are nothing burgers. Basically, giving a few tokens that's not a win for us this whole thing where we're supposed to live vicariously through the boule class you give a couple of boule negroes token positions and we're supposed to live vicariously through that those days are over those days are done we ain't we ain't living vicariously through them you got to give us an answer you got to give me something you have to give me some tangibles, some benefits. Don't give it to Roland, and then we'll live vicariously through Roland or whoever. We planned that game before. Let me get some more people in here. Let's get power in here. What's up, power? I ain't gonna be on here too, too long. I gotta get the hell up here. Start grinding in the morning. What's up, um, Power? Hop on, man. You can turn your microphone on, Mr. Power. Turn your microphone on. Yeah, what's up? How you doing? I'm good, man. What's up, man? I'm calling from Florida. Um, I just wanted to to ask you a question. Um, I was listening to um, Mr. Millie Fuller, and um, someone had called in and had asked him, what does he think about, um, you know, 
no reparations and stuff like that. And uh, he said that he wasn't really he wasn't really interested in reparations or for but he's more interested in uh, reparations for whites against white supremacy. What do you think about that? I don't get the context though. If someone had called in or someone called in and was like, um, they what do you think uh, and asked him what do you think about uh Tariq Nasheed wanting reparations for you know slavery. But then um he uh but he said that it shouldn't be reparations for slavery. He was saying that it should be reparations for against the for, for white supremacy, all the things they've done in general. He said that that's more general versus slavery is more uh, minimal or or more micro versus uh, slavery uh, reparations for white supremacy. That's more major or macro. What do you think about that? Okay. Okay. Right, let, me, let me go. Thank you. Thank you so much. Here's the, here's the thing. My thing is this. We, we got to start somewhere. Okay. Now, again, I, I didn't listen to Mr. Fuller. Sometimes people can relate information and they don't put it in the right context. So I can't speak against Mr. Fuller. I won't do that. But I would say we start somewhere because the reparations is a big thing. And it, it's a big task. And a lot of times when people look at a big task, it kind of the, the, the wind out of their sails. They're like, well, damn, this is too big. So you get discouraged. That happens a lot. A lot of times people don't get motivated to do stuff because the task seems so big. You're like, oh, man, I got to do a whole bunch of stuff. Man, let me, I might as well just chill. Man, this will be a lot of work. So I might as well just kick it. And I ain't do that. What you have to start doing, family, in order to stay motivated, in order to get stuff done, you have to section stuff off in small, digestible bites. You understand? We on, can't man. conquer the come world on. overnight. We got this thing. We don't just take over the universe in 48 hours. We just get discouraged. No, no, no. It's not going to work like that. No, 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 no. You got to make things digestible and knock them out in small increments and just build and build and build. That's how you get stuff done. So right now, we're talking about reparations for slavery. Let's make it digestible. It's very specific. It's very to the point. And there's a legal basis for it. There's a cultural basis for it. It's targeted for a very specific group, foundational black Americans, for very specific reasons. So you can't give a legitimate argument against it. There's really no legitimate argument against giving foundational black Americans reparations. All of the arguments against it are damn near trollish and goofy, and they can be easily debunked. Now, when you talk about giving reparations to just black people in general, there's arguments against that, like, why are we giving this person reparations just because they're black person? Well, they were mistreated. Well, if they were mistreated and he came from another country, why did he come over here to be mistreated? Which is a legitimate argument, right? That's a legitimate argument. You think so? We got to be very much to the point about who the reparations going to go to and not leave any wiggle room for them to 
just dismiss it because we're trying to bring everybody under the damn umbrella, which we've already messed up with affirmative action. See, we, in the 1960s, we should have stayed on reparations to foundation of black Americans. Then they threw out the word affirmative action. And we're like, okay, that's a form of reparations. That's cool. You're like, yeah, let's do affirmative action. And you know what? Let's not just, just do it for black people. While we're doing it for black people, yeah, there's other people who've been aggrieved. Let's just do it for minorities. And we were like, okay, I guess look, these are brothers in the struggle. We the same people. We still under the thumb of white supremacy. So we all got to, no, 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 no. See, that's what we messed up. We messed up trying to be all things to everybody and bring every, no, no, damn that. No, no, no. We're going to try some different techniques here. Let's, let's make this thing real specific. We're talking about tangible benefits for a very specific group, foundational black Americans for slavery in America. We're not talking about reparations for racism. We got to be very clear on that. Because that opens the door to a whole bunch of stuff. A lot of people suffer from racism, so we can't play that game. We can't play that game unless we cannot open up that can of beans. Because all of these people who classify themselves as white, all of a sudden they can become people of color again. All these people who fought to be white, if you say we're going to get reparation money for people who suffered racism, well, hell, I'm a white Hispanic, but I'm I, today I feel more Hispanic, and as a Hispanic, I've suffered some racism so let me get a check see can't play that game once they get a check all of a sudden they're white again no we need reparations for foundational black americans for a lineage group now later on once we get this claim taken care of then we can start hitting up other folks who are old we can hit up britain we can hit them up we hit up france you do Hit up Spain, louder at them, holla at some of them African nations. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, we're not gonna do that now, but man, when the time is right, oh, you're gonna get a little knocking on your door too. Oh, yeah, that, and that's why there's a lot of hate against reparations because they know where we're going to go with it. A lot of the tethers, they know. We're going to start, if we get it popping over here, we're going to start looking into them slave books. We're going to go over there to Elvina Castle and start looking at who's who, whose family was poor, collaborate with these Portuguese and Spanish colonizers against us. Let's just crack open all the books. Yeah. We're going to make everybody um, um, repay for the damage done. They're going to have to come up off of it. Yeah. Let me get this person here. Let's get Simi. What's up, Simi? About an hour. Mr. Simi, turn the mic an hour and a half. Hey, what's up, Tariq? Man, my name is Simi Six. Detroit. I didn't see you taking yeah, medicine. No. Uh, I didn't see you taking any medicine. What you're saying, um, because even that lady that you were talking to a couple days ago about the one from, uh, she's saying that her her family was enslaved by Muhammad. Like, man, she gets to qualify. You know what I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, real talk. So, 
they make it seem like they gave us civil rights because they whooped John Lewis's ass and then they felt bad because he took his ass whooping with dignity and they said, okay, we'll give y'all civil rights. No. We were out there doing that. They don't tell you about the black folks who were whooping the ass. Black people were whooping the ass in the 60s. Couldn't have much work. Black people were out here blowing stuff up. But they don't tell you about black folks who was out here hijacking planes left and right in the 60s and 70s. They do not tell you this stuff. Black people were up here jacking planes. They would come over here and learn some of that thing and go back home. They would get the money at home in Algeria, Cuba. Black folks was with the business back in the day. They don't tell you this stuff. They learn from us and they take They tell you that we sat around and we just got lynched and oh, we stood around watching. They put their own skin on it. We weren't standing around watching. We'll talk about this in the movie. We weren't just standing around watching. Those are black folks fighting back with the lynchings. There was a brother, um, Robert Smalls, out of um, Charleston, South Carolina. This badass brother, he was a Civil War hero. He was born a slave again, a Civil War hero in the early 1900s. They found out they were about to lynch a couple black boys. And they be listening to our music, being there, just moving it. I think this is around 1913. Robert Smalls said, You know what? I'm going to put the fuck about his like clothes up. I can't like that. I'm going to bring this one time. If you lynch them, boys, we're fucking every white person in this city up. We're burning this bitch down. And the white people back off. 7 to 10 motherfucking. You understand? They don't tell me about those sisters who roll like that. I used to be mad. They don't tell you about them. And then they'll leave and go into the classroom. Foundation of Black American See, history. They don't want to tell us about You're not supposed to be doing that. Because you'll get inspiration. Just clean that room and I'm coming to lock the doors. They don't want to tell you about the rioters and the people who stood you know, up. There was the Asian people. That's why they don't tell you about the Black Seminoles. They act like, boy, they don't even exist. The new movie, America the Rome, was breaking that history down. This is a very important film. And this is a clean film. We don't really use too too much profanity in it. When you get the film, share the film with your children. Because we're going to have to start drilling empowerment in our babies' heads because the stuff that they're doing in these schools right now is so damn sick. I, I saw a video somebody sent me and they had this white liberal teacher up here with a black doll talking about asking the other students. There was a bunch of white and Hispanic students. I think there might have been one other black student in the class, but they had a black doll. And they were like, um, what do you think this doll is? It's a boy. And the other student was a girl. Well, actually, this doll is non-binary. Can you say non-binary? That's how they teach them, Man, and this stuff, they're pushing this nonsense. I can't try to tell my kids. They're, they're pushing this Homeschool them. because it's yeah, sick, because it's grooming. And I have to come down with you. You know where it's going to lead to. There's no constructive reason to teach children about any type of sexual identity like that. Yeah, you did? It's a sick, perverse thing, man. We should call it out for what it is. We don't let them normalize that. Fuck that. We don't let them normalize. It's a sick thing, dude. And yeah, when we call it out, they attack us like when we did buck breaking. Well, they did not like me doing buck breaking. 
Oh, they were attacking me left and right, but that's the cost of doing business, man. I'll take that risk to save our children. We got to start being afraid to take risks for the kids out there. Mm -hmm. Because our children are attacked at this bill that they got out here, man. This ain't cool. I'm never going to sit around and normalize that bullshit. I'll be out here by my damn self fighting. That's the case. I'm not sitting around with that butt breaking nonsense that they're trying to push on us because it ain't cool. It's the same thing in slavery. It's not nothing progressive. We don't get anything tangible from these people. The things that we need, we don't get. When we need housing, we are told to kick rocks. We need jobs, we're told to kick rocks. We need loans, we're told to kick rocks. We need um, capital for our businesses, we're told to kick rocks. We want reparations, they try to tell us to kick rocks. And then all of a sudden they volunteer all of these resources if we identify as non-binary. So all of a sudden there's a blank check if we want to identify what's non-binary. Oh, we got all the money in the world. Now, you want to put a dress on, nigga? Come on over here and get this Oscar award. Come over here, Billy Porter, with your talentless ass and get this Grammy or whatever, the Tony Award or whatever. When we want to do something non-constructive, they got a blank check for us. Can you see? The dominant society, they love supporting things that are non-constructive. You can tell when something's non-constructive by how much the, the dominant society goes out of their way to defend the black person. When they defend the black person and they really go out of their way to defend the black person, when it's really unsolicited, if you see a bunch of white people defending a black person, usually it's something non-constructive. You know, they will defend somebody like Lizzo or Gabby Sidibe. Don't talk about them. Don't fat shame them. You don't fat shame Lizzo. Lizzo's a wonderful gal. You don't fat shame Mammy. I mean, I mean Lizzo. How dare you talk about Lizzo? You know, they all that type of thing. Yep. Don't you guys hate on Billy Porter? Why are you guys hating on Lil Nas X? You know, they love defending that. Now, when a brother gets shot in the head eight times, well, what happened before the camera was rolling? You know, they, they always find a way to justify that. But if you are here spread pussy sauce all over the place, well, they'll defend you tooth and nail. You see? So we just got to be on top of our game. We got to be on our How shit, We got to be on ours. Speaking of, yeah, did y'all see, uh, what's that, um, what's that, that moist, um, is, what is he, a senator? What is that guy? George Santos, what is, what is his position? What is exactly is his position? He's a politician. He's a liar. This weird pathological liar. This yeah. is a really weird dude. Just tells weird lies all the time. He's one of them crazy lying ass dudes. I for, for the life of y'all know how this man got elected. Who voted for this dude? He's a mess. Remember, they called the dude some old video of him in drag down in Brazil. And then his dumb ass sat here trying to lie and say it wasn't him. And it was clearly the same face, dude, the same teeth, everything. Nigga, it is you. Then he finally 
kind of copped up to it when I was young. I was young and wild back in those days. Yeah. When you have people like this as elected officials, as the representative of the people, that kind of shows the, the society is in decline. When you have dudes like that spreading his drag goosey, he's a drag queen, and then he's throwing up a white supremacist signal. When you have dudes doing that, and they're elected officials and they're representing us, I think the society is in a damn decline. That's what happened with the, the Roman Empire. They got all the damn freaks representing the damn um, public. They had people like Caligula, who was a freak. Caligula was freaking on everybody. Some people saying he he was having sex with his horse. This dude was on one. He was a sexual freak, a deviant. And when he was in office, right after he got in office, the Roman Empire, they went down and they never recovered. Their society went in a steep decline. You know what I mean? So we got to start watching and checking degeneracy too. We got to stop normalizing degeneracy within ourselves. So this is why we got to be around like-minded people. It's very important for us to be around like-minded people who can motivate us to be constructive. That goes back to the motivation thing. That's why we're having the expo down in um, Dallas. Everybody can come on down. Go to fbaexpo.com, get your tickets, and become a vendor and be around like minded people. That's why y'all need to come to the Hidden History Museum That's in LA. We open next month. Come to the screening. It's going to be a phenomenal like event to be around like minded people. Yeah. Yeah. People can inspire you and motivate you. Yeah. You can connect with and click with. Because sometimes, look, I know. Being the person who's awakened. I don't use the term woke because they bastardized the term woke, but you're awakened and you are knowledgeable. Sometimes you feel lonely. Sometimes when you get a lot of knowledge and you try to progress, it's a lonely feeling because you got a lot of people who are around you who ain't really trying to build nothing. People ain't on your high vibrational wavelength. So sometimes you, you feel like you're by yourself, even sometimes in relationships. Maybe sometimes your mindset is on another plane and you date the nigga who just, yeah, you know, he's not a bad dude. He's just like simple shit. He likes sitting around playing his video games. He really trying to progress more than that. He's comfortable. And sometimes you, you, you kind of want more. You want to be around people who can stimulate your mind. Men too. Sometimes dudes, you read and you study and you, you're thorough about knowledge. You're trying to learn and you got a hook rat. You, you, you're dating a hook rat and your hook rat ain't really trying to do anything but look at gossip sites and listen to Glorilla shit like that. You, 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 you feel lonely because you can't really build with your significant other like that. Right? Yeah, you can't really build with them. So sometimes you can't build with your family. You can't really chuckle game with your mama. I started. You know, they got the old fashioned church ways. If God can do it, you won't get nothing. You got one of them. You know what I mean? You can't really build with that. You 
can't really deal with that like you want to on an intellectual level so sometimes man, you gotta be around some other people you gotta learn how to connect with other people who share the same um value system and the same high vibrational wisdom level and that's why we're getting these events together so you can be around those type of people that's why everybody has such a great time in washington dc people talk about how fun it was even though it was a very serious topic it was a very euphoric feeling to be around so many brothers and sisters where you guys are all everybody's vibing on the same page you are vibing in a high vibrational plane that's a wonderful feeling to be around a lot of people. That's why good rappers, dusty niggas, have a great time when they're at little dusty nigger clubs. Everybody's on the same low vibrational plane. Unfortunately, even though they enjoy the low vibrational plane, low vibrations create even lower vibrations. That's why the fun quickly escalates into violence because you're already operating on a low vibrational plane. You, you understand? You're already operating on hedonism. It's, it's sex and drugs. It's not really constructive. It's just basic climbing. So you can enjoy that for a minute, but if you're just operating on a primal plane, another primal plane is to immediately start violence, start fighting. That's a primitive thing. That's a primal primitive thing. You're digressing. You're retrogressing when you are operating on a low vibrational plane. Yeah. That's why low vibrational people always end up fighting with each other. You did? You hang around somebody, y'all smoking, drinking, doing dusty nigga shit, and all of a sudden you start swinging and fighting. You then You can't be, if you got a low vibration, you gotta find somebody with a high vibration to elevate you. Or to motivate you to elevate, you cannot. You are a low vibrational person, and sometimes we, we, we're, you know, we get into a slump and we vibrate low. It's best to find somebody who can motivate you to go higher, because too low vibrational people is a wreck. You want a great example of that? Blueface and his chick. Blueface and his lady. That's an example. I like. I like Blueface. I think Blueface has a lot of charisma. Blueface is not a good rapper, and Blueface has not had a hit record in a while. So Blueface right now is operating on a low vibrational plane. Now he has to just kind of do the publicity stunts type of things in order to stay relevant. In order to stay relevant, kind of get into this reality show ratchet type of thing. So now he has this low vibrational chick from Baltimore. No disrespect to her. I'm not trying to beat up on that sister because I think she has a problem and I don't like to see people being exploited, bringing that sister, knowing she has psychological problems on these different platforms. I don't think that's cool. I don't think that's cool. Doing that for clicks. Yeah, it's going to get a lot of clicks, but it ain't worth it. You're, you see some low vibrational people being put out here who need help. I dreams I can't remember. That's not a person who needs to be exploited like that. But you get these two people together, and all they do say, "How come Blueface don't just leave her? She ain't got a tooth is out. She's sloppy and gone." But the thing is, 
truth be told, she's it's keeping Blueface relevant, and Blueface is keeping her relevant. And the only reason you can tune into Blueface yeah, is to watch the ratchet exploits between him and his chick. That's really the only reason. Blueface doesn't have a hit record out right now. Hasn't had a hit record out in years. Yeah. I just wish I would have listened. I'm not saying this to this. I'm just looking at this from an observation. So until Blueface gets another hit record. Yeah, he has to delve into this low vibration plane of reality show ratchet. You dig? And like I said, they was on me too. And that's just a bad look all the way around because it gets more low vibration on behavior because you have to keep indulging in that in order to be relevant. Because that low vibrational plane has become your identity. Which you never want that to become your identity. That's why I'm going to call She wised up and got off the reality show. She used that to her advantage, got what she needed to get out of it, and became a hip hop superstar. So I'm not mad at her because of that. Yeah. But we got to understand the game out here. Every country follows suit. We got to be around people who can motivate you. We got to be around people who will get you off that low vibration plane. We gotta be around people who can motivate you to be a high-minded, a high-vibrational, progressive person. And we need to be around people with that kind of mindset. You did? Well, we got a lot of folks in here for this time of night. It's hella late. We got a lot of people in here. Anyway, I need to be in bed because I gotta get up early and handle business. But um, I'm going to keep you guys posted on when you can get your tickets to the Hidden History Museum opening, screening, dinner, and turn-up. You're going to want to be in the house because it's going to be limited, so the tickets are going to go very, very fast. That's why when I announce it, y'all going to get right on it. I'm taking my time to announce it. When the tickets go on sale, they'll go on sale probably next week. So you guys better be ready for that, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let me get up out of here, man. Look, I hope you guys have a prosperous week. What's your no, uh, only late at night. Around oh, this high night. Yeah, that's gonna be the vibe. Just being around high-minded people. We gotta stop being around this this low-level non-productive energy that just drains you that drains you of all of your intellectual strength you see what you ingest you project if you keep ingesting negative nonsense and non-constructive nonsense you're going to just be the kind of person who engages in negative nonsense and you're going to start projecting negative nonsense you're going to reflect what you ingest if you ingest constructive information, if you, you be around constructive people, the outcome is going to be constructive. You will start being more successful in the things you do. Guaranteed. You will be more successful in the things you do. And the, the thing is, two things can operate in the same space at the same time. You, you, you have to surround yourself around positive things. It's just like if somebody when you want to change your mind tries to give you, you 
Somebody gives you new clothes. What happens is if you have a whole bunch of old cluttered clothes in your spot, the new clothes will get lost. Have you ever bought something new and just misplaced it? You don't know where the shit is. You bought something new, you bought some new clothes or something, and it just got mixed up with all the old bullshit. You're like, where did I just bought a brand new Versace shirt? I can't find that shit nowhere. You ever bought something real fly and just can't find it? It's all just like, can't find it. Like, damn, I bought this fly shirt and I can't find it. Shit. And you're looking all over the board, you can't find your strap. You got Family and fellow soldiers, I'm the professor at this. You stop away, and I'm stopping. A lot of people like to say that reparations has become a divisive issue, but that's not true at all. Reparations has not become a divisive issue. It has always been a divisive issue because this country is based on a system of racial stratification with black people being artificially held at the very bottom. This country didn't really care about having immigrants in big numbers until after the end of chattel slavery. Race in the United States was a binary equation up until that point, literally as simple as black and white. What this did was to make the issue of race into a 50-50 equation as far as justice is concerned. The white supremacists needed to thwart justice every single time. Black people, on the other hand, only needed to bring justice about once in order to make a major change in society. This presented white power with a dilemma. Going back to chattel slavery was impossible, and with the advent of the Industrial Revolution, it was undesirable. They had the wealth generated by black labor. The game now was to make sure that the rightful recipients of that wealth, the black American slaves who built the country as well as their children, were denied the fruits of their own labor. But black numbers were significant, especially in the South where up to two out of five people were black. So how could they prevent black people from using the mechanisms of democracy and representative government in order to bring about democracy through representative government? There is absolutely nothing that white supremacy will not weaponize if it can, and that includes the movement of people around the world. There have been a number of harebrained schemes that have been talked about, including Abraham Lincoln's proposal that all black people in America should be rounded up en masse and just deported. But that was impractical, and the newly freed slaves weren't going to go along with that. So if they weren't able to reduce the number of black people in the United States, then their solution would be to bring in more non-black people from outside the U.S. If you look at demographic charts from the 19th century, you see that the numbers for the portions of the country with the most citizens, principally the Northeast, South, and Midwest, stayed relatively the same from 1840 until about 1860. Only the Midwest saw a steady increase before 1860, mainly because not so many people were living out there. And the population of the West remained flat because manifest destiny wasn't a thing yet. But both the South and Northeast began to grow significantly after 1860. So what changed? Immigration. Irish immigrants, Scottish immigrants, German immigrants, lots of Germans. The government decided that if black people's numbers couldn't be reduced, then the numbers of non-black people in the country had to be increased. The racial pyramid is the system white power rests upon. Every group is assigned a place within that pyramid, with those classified as white placed at the very top. Now, those groups who are beneath them don't have to like being in what position they're assigned, just so long as they accept their place within it. And when you look at the historical record and contemporary society, there's no denying that's exactly what happened. 
As long as black people were assigned the bottom of the pyramid, then violence by the state would be used to keep it this way, as well as the state supporting racist mobs who would run around harming black people in black enclaves. We saw this with the draft riots in the 19th century, which I've detailed on this channel. In that instance, you had Irish emigres who up until that point had been fighting the British just a few weeks earlier and swearing blood oaths to drive the English out of Ireland. And yet when they got to the United States, they immediately made common cause with the cousins and oftentimes family members of those same English oppressors. It was understood that in the United States, the stratification was not based on religion or ethnic group. The hierarchy would be based solely on skin color. The signs back then said no dogs or Irish allowed. White power would set up a pattern and practice of hazing the newcomers from Europe as a means of showing them what it's like to be on the outside looking in, what it means to not be white in America. And this practice of giving the cold shoulder to European immigrants was not new. Benjamin Franklin himself said that the United States should ban Germans and the Swedish from immigrating to the U.S. because they were too swarthy for his tastes. Now, what you're seeing on your screen right now is an excerpt posted in the Washington Post from a letter that Benjamin Franklin wrote in 1751. This was before the establishment of the United States of America. And in this letter, Benjamin Franklin had written that he didn't consider most of Europe to be white. His exact words, the number of purely white people in the world is proportionably very small. And in Europe, the Spaniards, Italians, French, Russians, and Swedes are generally of what we call a swarthy complexion, as are the Germans also. The Saxons only accepted who with the English make the principal body of white people on the face of the earth. Mm. Did you get all that? He said that the number of purely white people in the world is proportionably very small. Well, he's right about that. But he goes on to say that all of Europe is swarthy complected, except for the Saxons and the English, and that only the Saxons and the English make up the principal body of white people on the face of the earth. Mm. That was Benjamin Franklin, speaking at a time when he didn't have to be worried about any sort of division of white solidarity. He could speak his mind freely. And what he said was, don't let any of these Europeans in. If they ain't Saxon, if they're not English, don't let them in. The Spaniards, too swarthy. The Italians, too swarthy. Okay, you can go with that. They're Southern Europeans. You know, the Moors got to them. But then he said the French and the Russians. You mean the guys out there freezing their butts off in Siberia? And the Swedes and the Germans. He says, ain't none of y'all white. Only the Saxons and the English are white. This was Benjamin Franklin who said that. When he said that the number of purely white people in the world was small, he wasn't talking about Europeans. He was talking about a small number of them. This is what was going on prior to 1865. Before the end of chattel slavery, this is the kind of stuff that was going on, the kind of divisions and enmity that existed among the Europeans. A lot of that stuff is still around today. So here you have a man who had become one of the founders of the United States, and he was saying clearly what his definition of white was. And it excluded 95% of the people in Europe. Now, what do you think happens when all of those European immigrants decide that they want to come over to America? If anyone qualifies as the pale-skinned, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Aryan type, it would definitely be the Swedes. And yet, Benjamin Franklin said, don't let them in. 
If anything, the founding white supremacists of the United States should have been saying, let those guys in first, but understand, there were and remain strong cultural and historical antagonisms between European groups. Look at Ukraine and Russia, or Britain and France, etc. So for the founders of the U.S., being white wasn't enough. You had to be the right kind of white. Now, at first, the newcomers from Europe were given a hard time, mostly hazing. They were not oppressed, not at all. They were simply given a harsh lesson that they would have to earn the status of white. And by hazing them, the dominant society made it where whiteness was something to be aspired to by these groups. And the transition from Irish or German or Swedish to white wasn't an event. It was a process. As late as the 1890s, you still had books and publications like Punk Magazine showing political cartoons warning that the Irish were simply not willing or even able to be assimilated into American society. And it wasn't just the Irish that they limited this criticism to. They also made it clear that they didn't like hyphenated Americans. You think that's a new term? It's not new at all. It's over 130 years old. And when you look at these cartoons from the 1890s, you see they weren't talking about black people. They were referring to other white people, like the Irish, Germans, Italians, Dutch, etc. The call was for them to assimilate. But what did assimilate mean? Well, it didn't take too long for the newcomers to figure out that assimilate meant that they had to show they understood the foundation of American society rests on anti-black racism. They learned the rules of racism soon enough, though. Time and again, whenever immigrant groups came into the United States, you saw two distinct events happen. First, there was the effort to jockey for a place in the hierarchy. And secondly, we saw the demonstration of this desire to be accepted take the form of anti-black racism. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that every immigrant, be they from Europe, Asia, south of the border, or wherever, come here and immediately began going in on us. But immigrants don't come to a land in twos and fews. They don't show up as individuals. They show up in very large groups, like the Central American migrants, the Syrian refugees, the Ukrainians, etc. And it is these group dynamics where we see that immigrants understand what white power requires of them and how best to demonstrate they know what assimilate means. From the lynchings of black people by the Irish during the draft riots to the Italians who led the effort to shut black people out of the unions, all the way to the present with the anti-black racism from racist Latino politicians in Los Angeles. A few days ago, Tariq Nasheed posted a video where he played audio from a group chat he took part in, in which a group of non-FBA women were talking about black people's issues and White saying women. they didn't think they, they owe reparations. One of these women said that she was of Iranian descent and that her parents had come to the United States in the early 1980s. When it was pointed out that her parents had come to the United States to take advantage of the wealth that black people had generated, this woman said that her family didn't need America's wealth because her family already was wealthy before they came here. Of course, this woman is not living off of her parents' wealth. She went to college, got a degree, and is now making money off of the American economy, an economy that was only made possible by black people's uncompensated labor and the wealth that is kept away from us to this very day. But this is the woman who was saying that as far as she was concerned, she didn't owe any reparations. What does she have to make reparations for? You know, when it comes to immigrants or people who come to the U.S. whose ancestors didn't necessarily own slaves, I like to use this analogy. Suppose you're looking to buy a house and you see one in particular that's a lot nicer than the others on the block and you want it. If that house has any outstanding liens from the previous owner, then you'll become responsible for that debt.
And if you tell the seller of the house that you didn't rack up that debt, and as far as you're concerned, you're just here to enjoy the house, then the seller is going to tell you that if you love the two-story home that sits on an acre of land, has a two-car garage, a patio, three-and-a-half bathrooms, and a swimming pool, then you'll also have to take responsibility for the debts that go along with that house. You want the home, you inherit its debts. And if you still whine that the liens were incurred before you even set eyes on the house and you don't think you should have to pay any of it, then the seller will tell you that you need to select another house because the one you're looking at comes with debts that whomever enters that house will become responsible for. You look at comments and videos you see posted online, you got a number of immigrants who try to play victim and say, what are you trying to force reparations on me? Nobody's forcing reparations on anyone. You volunteered for it. As a black man, if I chose to immigrate to Germany, there's no way in the world the German government would let me tell them that my tax money shouldn't go to pay Holocaust survivors. And if I tried to say, well, I'm a black man and my people were being persecuted in America at the same time that the Jews were being persecuted in Europe, and our persecution is still ongoing today, the German government wouldn't care. They would simply say that Germany owes a historical debt, and if you want to be here, you got to pay it. Simple as that. Everyone knows that we're owed big. But what they also know is that this is a white supremacist government that has made it clear they're not going to pay. Everyone simply assumed, though, that this would never change. But now they're seeing that the possibility is there that it will, and they're not taking it well. Oh, and another point that needs to be brought up. When this Iranian woman Tariq was talking to was asked why her family came to the U.S. if they had all that money, she claimed they came to the U.S. because they were being persecuted. If her folks left Iran in the 1980s, that means they were fleeing the Ayatollah Khomeini, who had taken power in 1979, just a few years earlier. I did a video about that a year or so ago. You can see it on this YouTube channel. I suspect that Iranian woman's family were collaborators with the previous ruler of Iran, the Shah. And when Khomeini overthrew the Shah, her parents fled Iran and came to the U.S. But if her family was being persecuted, quote-unquote, then why did the Khomeini regime allow them to keep all their money? Why didn't the Khomeini government seize her family's assets? What kind of persecution involves letting the persecuted leave the country unharmed with wealth? Her words, not mine. Her family left Iran alive and well and with money to burn. What kind of persecution is that? Well, the only reason that she and her family didn't face persecution in the U.S. was because there had been black people who made it safe for her to come here decades before she got here. We didn't flee the oppression here. We didn't flee the persecution. We fought the persecutors and faced them down. She tried to make herself sound valorous, like a self-made woman, but her denials make no sense. Because unless she's still just living off of whatever money her parents came to the U.S. with, she is indeed partaking of the American economy that we built, and she's enjoying the fruits of the wealth that we generated, just like everyone else has. Benefits that neither she nor her parents had anything to do with by her own admission. She tried to use her Iranian background as proof that she didn't owe anything even though black activism made it possible for her to come to the U.S. in the first place, to have access to an equal education, and to be able to get gainful employment, and to be able to speak her mind openly. The United States didn't do that for her. Black people brought that about. 
all the things that she takes for granted and tries to act as if they were the results of something she did, or as if the U.S. is just naturally a place that allowed her to come here and live the life she has, that's a fraud. Now, there's an overarching point that I want to bring up as to this subject in particular. There's a reason I do video essays about Britain or Israel or Bolivia or Iran or Asia. Some of you may think that it's strange. I always get some fools commenting, but professor, why are you telling us about this? Why we need to know about these other countries out there? That don't mean nothing to me. <laughs> now, the people who say that, these are lazy people with weak minds. They don't know anything about anywhere, not even where they live. They're experts on smoking joints or watching sports, but plumb dumb on survival. The reason you need to learn about these other places is because a lot of the anti-black racists you're going to have to deal with come from these places. These other countries have long-standing traditions of anti-black racism, which is why so many of these immigrants so easily make the jump to being fully on board with the racial hierarchy, and why so many of them get furious when they see us threatening it. White supremacy is sophisticated. It long ago figured out the need for buffer groups to be between itself and the people who it's directly oppressing. This society needs racial stratification, and the beneficiaries of anti-black racism need their goodies, giveaways, and guarantees to be baked into the cake and handed to them. They need that kind of social order to be in place. The United States is not the only country that practices anti-black racism. It also exists in the countries a lot of these immigrants come from. If someone is going to try to hide behind their background as a way to defend anti-black racism, then you need to know what their true background is. The people who think it's cute not to learn about these other groups or these other places, these are the exact same people whose minds are so weak they can't even keep up with the conversation. So they try to conceal their failure by claiming that we shouldn't talk about these other things. But these are the same people who don't want to hear anything about this country either or their own condition. Ignorance is not noble and is not harmless either. Part of defeating anti-black racism lies in demonstrating that what they say makes no sense, that what they say isn't true. The ability to debate effectively is a key part of that. People will try to argue against your interests and you need to be able to shut them down. A debate properly done isn't a debate at all. It's a lesson. You're simply teaching your opponent all the things they don't know but you have to be well-versed in order for that to work. This is why I have zero patience for the slack-jawed, pot-smoking good-for-nothings who complain whenever I talk about the Mossad or about Bolivia or about the enmity between the Irish and the British. White supremacy seeks to muddy the waters for the sake of confusing any sort of political discourse meant to level the playing field for black people. The goal is to justify keeping us at the bottom and they do it largely by pointing to immigrant groups and saying, well, if these immigrants aren't in the same condition as black people, then that proves it must be all black people's fault. The problem is there's a lot of immigrants who have gone along with that narrative. As we've seen with Candace Owens and Michelle Malkin and even people like Juju Chang, many try to weaponize being a person of color against black folks by claiming that, well, they're non-white and that there's no racism because they said so. People do that to win brownie points with the dominant society. It's a lie told with a wink and a nod. Well, the way you deal with lies is by knowing the truth. You need to know what's gone on in these countries for the same reason Dr. Joseph Benyakinen and Dr. John Henry Clark and Dr. William Mackey and so many others made it a point to know. 
Anti-black racists have benefited from our oppression and will lie about their own history and their own past. And you have to know what the lies are so you can shoot them down. Debating effectively is like poker. In poker, you don't play the cards, you play the opponent. It's not so much about what cards you've been dealt. It's about how well you size up your opponent and finding ways to outmaneuver them and throw them off balance. The vociferous and often blatantly racist opposition that black people get whenever the term reparations is mentioned shows why the cross-racial alliance stuff totally failed. It was DOA. As we've seen in recent years, and most recently in Los Angeles, anti-black racists in many cases aren't even from white society. Even though a lot of them identify as white on their driver's licenses, a lot of so-called people of color and so-called minorities are as anti-black as the worst member of the Aryan nation. The problem for them is that they're trying to thread a needle. They think white power has assigned them a rung on the racial ladder above us, and they want to keep it that way. White power lies to maintain its position, so people like Nuri Martinez understand that they have to do the same. But when white power brings them in for some abuse, all of a sudden they miraculously remember that they're not officially white, and they start trying to invoke our names and our history. That is, until white power lets up on them, and then it's back to business as usual. What all of these people fear is the change we represent. All they've ever known is the racial pecking order with us at the bottom. The ugly truth that a lot of people don't want to have to accept is that white power has given a number of tangible benefits to certain groups, even though they're not classified as white. They receive certain social and economic access that black people don't. Sure, they don't get as much as those who the society considers to be white, but they do get something. And when they see us making moves that will change the status quo, they share the same hyper-anxiety of the dominant society. Well, facts don't change simply because people don't like them. The truth represents reality. And because of that, it doesn't have to be pleasant to hear or at all convenient. The only thing the truth needs to be is true. Good day and be one. I'd like to take a moment to mention some of our contributors. Richard A. Mitchell, Michael Clark, Rick Kenneth Jackson, Aisha Mawamba, and Noel Williams. Salute to them and thank you to everyone for listening, liking, and sharing this message. Black empowerment only exists because of you. Grand Rising Awe, and this is just Sister Ambiance on this dreary day. I feel so bright and sunny, though. I feel so full of energy. But, um,
someone who is going through the things that you and I are going through. I'm talking about people who supposedly they're doing everything that society tells them they're supposed to do in this world. They're supposed to get up and get a job, go to work, have a business, both, make some money, have a house, a car, a two, take care of children, go to school, you know, exercise. I'm not talking about people who don't take value in themselves and I'm talking about people who out here eating right, exercising, going to some religious organization on a regular basis. It's just like a lot of misery going on here. A lot, you know, and so like I said, the challenges of life will bring out a person who a person really is. And we know this whole 2020 thing that we just experienced has truly traumatized people. It's taken people through things that they've never been taken through before. And a lot of people can't function under pressure. You know, they say diamonds are made under pressure, but there's also a lot of poverty that takes place under pressure. You look at people and they're living this supposed life heading in such progression and, and you know and then they, they say that you're at a disadvantage you're struggling this is what they refer to me as and it's how they look at me and i'm trying to understand where is this advantage and because it's yeah i'm at a disadvantage obviously you're saying that you're at an advantage and so i'm trying to understand and how your misery is worn on your sleeve Having life itself. 
Like you have people who are, they have suicidal thoughts just based on the fact that their money ain't right. I mean, their whole life is, is, is about some type of financial expression. I, I'm trying to understand what people can't pick up on here, what people can't figure out in this sector that we're in, where people might act like they're better than you because of what they got. And then when, when, when what they got is in jeopardy, who they are, it fluctuates. They have this bipolar, past progressive energy about them. As soon as things don't go right, they feel like they can't function, they can't move on. Life is coming to an end. They, they lashing out at any and everyone, whoever they can or whoever, whoever they, they see is beneath them. And in some cases, the person, the person that um, moves them the most is the person they'll tend to lash out at the easiest. And so, for brothers and sisters out, out here, that's you know, that's going through some things financially. You know, always reflect on a time when you didn't have those things, and somehow you came out of it. Somehow you came out of it. Don't let your the money aspect be your everything to the point where if that doesn't exist or if that is not flowing like you want it to go, nothing else matters. You don't care about keeping up your health thing. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just I'm trying to figure out how would these people really act with the money really, really, really got low. Would they continue to try to um, keep their parents up on you know working out and supposedly eating right and you know what I'm saying? Like, you got people out here eating right and doing all this stuff, and they blood pressure still to the roof. Like, they, they can't understand why they don't still trouble. You know, they, they go to religion, they claim a God, and they, they go to these religious organizations and these temples and mosques and churches. And, you know what I'm saying? And yet, still, they don't rely on that source as a means to be able to overcome. It's always about the money. It's always about the money. Nothing else matters. The money. Money. The money. <laughs> like, people are really showing who they are in this day that we can't come. Even in the aspect of how people are literally being controlled wirelessly. See, you, you can only be controlled wirelessly to a degree when you have a certain amount of value or principle. There's only so much that can be controlled in you. You know, because when your enemy has the power to influence you, influence how you think and all that, you know, these things are going to be used against you. But, you know, we got to overcome emotions into the thinking of God. I mean, some of you may know where that comes from. <laughs> but I know people who, they've heard this over and over and over again, but they've never applied to their fucking life. Not when it matters. You know what I'm saying? They, they, can, they, can, they can ride that wave when the money's going in. But soon as the only thing that they see that signifies some value to themselves and others is not coming in, like they wanted to or not coming in at all, they lose their mind. They lose their mind in the challenges of this experience that we're having where people are under the impression that money is everything. 
I mean, I just think about everything that I'm going through, anything I've gone through. And I can sit and I can tell you so many great times that I had, that I have gone through. And you can turn around and you can ask people who they, you know, they might be bringing in anywhere from $900 to $1,500. And, and on some side, on some side hustle. They, they win the lottery. You know what I'm saying? They're doing some hustle shit on the side, doing some, some type of whatever. And so they bring in even more than that on top of your paycheck. And you can ask them to tell you something good about the world because it's just things that you don't do. I'm trying to understand what's going on. If you understand what I'm saying. You know, and these people claim to be so beyond But you're only in that position due to this God you serve. Outside of that, you don't have a God. Your God has failed you. And your, your God will continue to fail you. You know what I'm saying? Because money always is up and down, up and down, up and down. Always. And so therefore, you'll always be controlled. Your emotional state will always be influenced by the ebbs and flows of the money. You know, and so just don't fall afraid to that diet, especially now. You know, when you see things coming your way, you got to buckle down some way. You know what I'm saying? You got people who they're preppers and they prep and they get ready. You know, they make sure they have this and that, but you, you know, you have to also prep mentally and spiritually because you can prep all your life and you might not be nowhere near all the stuff you accumulated just in case shit hit the thing. You might not be nowhere near this shit. You know what I'm saying? What you gonna do then? Like, are, is your mind right? Is your, is your mind prepped? Is your mind prepped for the challenges of this experience that we're having? You know, I mean, come on, guys. Come on, now. How long do you want to live? How many people do you have to see come and go before you recognize that if we come and then we go, why am I really making a big deal out of this anyway? <laughs> I don't know. But you know, enjoy enjoy yourself on some level. You know what I'm saying? Like appreciate what the most high has, you know, has instilled in you. You know, I, you know, there's a sister that I'm in and um and communication with and you know this is so beautiful like um you know just physically beautiful you know and i know that she's she has to be in her 50s and you know and I, whenever i gather in particular with uh, our people and i look at them and how they don't age i mean that in itself is a lot that should be grateful for i'm saying though i mean because these these young people they're doing shit and they're they're living a lifestyle where they're aging way before their time. And then on top of that, because they don't respect the aging process, they think that that's some type of abomination. Therefore, it's being turned against them. And they're looking older than they really are. You know what I'm saying? Like even if, even if they look young in face, they how they move is slow, how they move is old. You know, we cannot get this twisted. We gotta keep everything in its proper perspective. Because if not, we'll be used. We'll be easily um, led astray. By something that wants to manipulate manipulate us and have its way with us you know and so you better gain some type of control over your mental state at least 95 percent of the time you know what i'm saying we all we will fall we will fall short from you know here and there but don't get it don't let it get to the point where you're getting all the way into the 70s and the 60s and the 50s on you you know like you might get to the point of no return you know what i'm saying so i just want to give that give that word that we are 
a challenging times. And it's not like we didn't know this was gonna happen. If you couldn't prepare yourself any, any other way, you should be able to prepare yourself in, in a way that's always with you, your mental state and your emotional state. You know what I'm saying? That's always with you. No matter what, these things come and go, they, they break, they get stolen, they, they get outdated, they get thrown away. They, you know what I'm saying? The, these things that come and go, why are we so into these things when we have this thing within us, this energy within us, this God connection within us that is all that we need to really be focusing on. It's all said and done. Everything else is just really a distraction. You know, and so I just wanted to give that word name. Someone needs to hear that. Someone needs to hear it and know it and live it. You know, and so um I hope you guys appreciate what I'm saying. And um, until next time, guys, be well by any means, by any means, be well.